Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get started here in just a little bit, okay? <laughs> just as we are going live, my <laughs> husband goes, do I still have it? It's gone. He says, you've got something on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was an apple I was just eating. So anyway, we are so glad you're here. This is my husband, Jeff. Hello. And um, I am excited to have you hear from him. I get to hear about all that he's learned about joy, you know, kind of all the time, and it really is some life-changing information. So first I wanna um, open in prayer, and then we're gonna dig into this right away. And I'm guessing we're gonna be talking probably about 30 minutes. Okay. We'll see what happens, Good. okay? Mm -hmm. So, um, just Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you, first of all, so much for just um, introducing Jeff and I 27 years ago. So. Even though we were both so lost at that time, God, you saw what we could be together and you brought us together. So I'm th so thankful for that. I'm thankful for Brian, who's on the other side, kind of manning the technology behind all of this. And God, I just pray that everybody who's listening tonight, that they um, come with open ears and an open heart, that they let these words that Jeff's going to share really penetrate into their heart and that they're they're willing to be more like clay that can be molded and formed more into the image um, that God created them to be. So, so excited um, for all that you've done in our life, God, and I am just so grateful that you sent Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Jeff and I, um, like I said, we've been married now for 25 years, and we were both very different when we first met and when we got married and everything, but thankfully, um, God brought... And just, God just really made himself so obvious to Jeff and I back in about 2003. And then 2004, we were baptized. And then just a little bit after that, he started working for a ministry called Halftime. And just um, so many exciting things have happened since then. But I want you first to kind of hear, I guess, his qualifications um, as to why he wrote this book on joy and why, why he's qualified to talk to you about it. So tell me, first of all, like, what made you write the book and what kind of background and training did you have to write the book? Yeah, okay, good. So I think the big thing was uh, at the Halftime Institute, we were helping people figure out their purpose and their calling. And I started to ask people, why? Why do you want to know your purpose and your calling? And um, as I started to drill down into that question, the, the things that kept coming up was what people really want is they want more peace, more contentment, more fulfillment, and more joy. So I started to realize that the desire to figure out the, the, the calling was really driven by a desire to experience joy. So I started paying attention to that. And so for, as you know, for the last 11 years, I've coached you know, hundreds of people through this process of figuring out their calling and experiencing joy. <clears throat> and, um, and so um, I just started to look at the best practices of um, what differentiates a person, a Christian, if you put all Christians, the, the ones that are experiencing the joy and the ones for whatever reason, it's still eluding them. Mm -hmm. And so is that, so that's what made you write the book? Yeah, so I just, I kept seeing this and, and God just put um, this model of how joy works. Part of what I did before I joined the Halftime Institute is I was a management consultant. And so I often think in diagrams and models and I draw things on whiteboards and flip charts. And on September 11th, 2013, 
um, God just gave me this vision of here's how joy works, and that's what spawned the, the joy model. Here comes Remy, our other dog. <laughs> it's just a, a, a dog festival here. Um, so, guys, go lay down now. Go lay down. Go on. Um, Mojo, Remy, go lay down. <laughs> so what, what I thought was so cool, Jeff had been kind of, these feelings of, you know, joy and what's the difference between why are some people experiencing it, why are there, those had been kind of bubbling up inside of him for quite a while. But I remember one day he shared with me that really kind of his mission, his passion, and also what breaks his heart is he wants to help people move from being frustrated believers to joyful followers. Yeah. And guys, there's, there's, I find there's just not enough people who are like, busting out with joy because of what Jesus has already done. And I think that the more that we can experience joy as believers, the more people are gonna notice that inside of us and they're gonna want it. So it's really important, if that might be you, you might say, you know what, God, I've, I've had a relationship with God, you know, with God, I believe in Jesus, I'm saved, but I'm struggling with this joy stuff. And I think it be, before we even dig into it, I want you to say difference between joy and happiness. In, yeah. in, what are you talking about when you're talking joy? Well, first things first is there are a lot of people who act joyful, but aren't really joyful. So I think there's a lot of people that can put on a great face on Sunday morning at church and seem bubbly and all this kind of stuff. But in their most honest moments, they're just like, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I see it in scripture. What am I missing? And because everybody else is faking it, they think they're the only ones that haven't figured it out. So they're embarrassed. They don't tell each other. And they think they just kind of clam up and they become this frustrated believer. A believer, they're going to heaven, mm -hmm. but between now and when they go to heaven, it's not so hot. Mm -hmm. And so, so I first just want to get that out. And secondly, the whole thing around um, difference between joy and happiness, happiness is circumstantial. You know, when, when everything's going great, when your marriage is going great, the finances are working out, the kids are behaving, the, you know, the car's working, uh, some of your dogs are behaving, everybody's happy. <laughs> Um, but when some of those things in your life start to deteriorate, um, happiness usually evaporates. And so uh, when you think about joy, I just think about Paul being in prison and he was given a mission from God to go preach the gospel and yet it's shut down. But he still is trusting in the sovereign plan of God so much that he's actually singing while he's in chains. So it's like, how does that happen? How do you get to that? And so that's what I've been studying. And, and so I don't, I'm, I'm, not a, I don't, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist, but I've just read a ton on joy and I've been just, I'm a practitioner of coaching lots of people. Yeah, Jeff's, um, one of his kind of, I guess, personality traits or giftedness is he's a learner. He is all about learning. I mean, he is typically reading several books at one time and goes through more books than anybody I know. And so um, he really has studied deep into this. And, for me, I just remember one time I was driving with my mom and we were actually driving to Mayo Clinic, not like, you know, a super fun place to be heading off to. And um, she was reading a book to me as I was driving the car. It's the, a book called the, the Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. Yep. Yeah. And in it, there's a verse and it's my mom's favorite verse. And it says, today is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. And what the book went on to say is that I will rejoice in it it doesn't say when everything's going well or I will rejoice in it when my finances are in a good place or when my marriage is in a good place or relationships. Today is the day and I'm gonna rejoice in it. Like every day can be a party. 
right? Yeah. I mean, there could be things that are challenging, but in your heart, you can still experience that joy. So, like Jeff said, he was a management consultant, works in quadrants and graphs and everything. And here's the book, guys, the Joy Model book. And one thing I want to say is that if you're part of our F4 plan and you want to buy this book in the next couple days, I feel like a little salesperson, you too can get this book. But we're going to, if you at checkout use the word joy, you'll get a 15% off on the book, okay? So I just want to mention that. But in the book, at the very beginning, Jeff talks about this quadrant. Tell us about mm -hmm. what what's this quadrant look like? Yeah, so it's one of those typical graphs where you have a, a x-axis and a y-axis, or maybe it's the other way around, but a vertical and a horizontal. And so really it's, it's the two parts to joy. Um, one is um, what I found with people who are Christians who are lacking joy, their first knee-jerk reaction to get more joy is that they say, I've got to go do something different with my life. I've got to spend my time different. I've got to use my talents different. I've got to change my situation. And so I talk about time, talent, treasure, temple, your body. You're an mm -hmm. expert on this. And tribe, just all the people in your network of relationships. Wait, so let's say that again. So time, talent. What you're doing with your time. Yeah, how you're managing your time. Your, what are you doing with your skills, your talents, your treasure, having a biblical understanding of money, how you're stewarding that. Your temple, your physical body, which houses the Holy Spirit and mm -hmm. is the is the delivery mechanism for God's love on this planet, and then um, your tribe, the people you work with, your spouse if you're married, your um, your you know siblings, your kids, your coworkers, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so most Christians, when they're not experiencing joy, their knee-jerk reaction is to focus on I got to go do something different. But what I found is while that is important, there are ways you can adjust those things and steward those things and be obedient from a biblical point of view with those things that can increase your joy. There's actually more than just what are you going to do. It's on the other dimension is who are you going to be and who did God create you to be and who is he shaping you to be. And it's all of this stuff around spending time with God and growing in your knowledge of who he is and then who you are because of Christ. And the reason why lots of Christians don't gravitate to managing their joy on the being stuff is because for whatever reason, they think they got that part all figured out. I've got all that Christian stuff figured out. I've been going to church for a while. I know scripture and all this stuff. But there's always another level of breakthrough in your being and breakthrough of your relationship with Christ and breakthrough around understanding I'm not just forgiven of sin, I'm actually free of the compulsion to sin. It, it, it's this huge, so, so there's this big thing around spiritual growth opportunity, and also what are the things that I can control that actually can, can create better circumstances, and that, that, that supports joy as well. So just let me clarify, so there's the doing. We as Christians often want to go do something with our money, go do something with our talents or yeah. our people, the, the tribe and all that. And then there's the being. And this is just kind of being with God and realizing who did he create us to be yeah. and who is he. Because one time when Jeff and I were talking about what is, what is if we could go to the very core of what's stopping people from living fully, people who um, are saved, they don't know and understand how loved they are by God as they are. Yeah. yeah. And that joy, it's not about, 
we, we, the doing is important. Yeah. It's important to go out, right? We are to be the hands and feet of Christ. But this being, so you, when you get yourself here that you know who you are, you're so filled up with God's love, it's from love, from this point of being loved and knowing God, that you go out and do things. It's not for love. Do you see the difference? Yeah. From love, we go out and we love and serve people and we are his hands and feet. But when we try to do things to gain love, yeah. it doesn't bring you joy. I think, I think the, the scripture that um, describes us the best is John 15, 5. Okay, where it says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Apart from me, you can produce no fruit. So the concept is that the vine is the being, where you're attaching to the vine to really understand just this incredible freedom that you have in Christ. And then from that, the nutrients of love are coming from that vine into the branch and they flow out into your doing and how you lived your life. And what happens is many people are stuck over here trying to, with their human effort, manage all the doing. And there's no supernatural power of, of Christ flowing through you. And again, it, what happens is you have the difference between somebody acting joyful and truly being joyful. Mm -hmm. and, and so the, the energy flows from the being to the doing. Um, now, again, it, it's, it, there, there's still some really practical stuff. There's a lot of stuff I pe see people doing with their temple that's really um, self-inflicting damage on their joy levels because they're not taking care of their bodies and, mm -hmm. and they end up later on having illnesses that, that then start to um, take them off the task of the assignment that God's given them for their life. Mm -hmm. um, and also it causes other people to have to take care of them. Now there's times when you have a, a health issue that's out of your control, but a lot of times it's self-inflicted. Yeah, that's one of the things that Jeff and I were talking about is, you know, as we're gonna be talking to you guys tonight, you're part of that foreplay, you're part of Faithful Workouts. As you know, we're, we're into the physical health stuff. And so joy really does tie in to your physical health and your physical health ties into joy. They really kind of, you know, is it the chicken or the egg, you know, what's, but you need to take care of your physical body. I'm not saying that your health, it's, you know, dictates your joy, yeah. but when you are feeling yucky, it's hard to do things like connect, you know, and spend time with God. It's hard because you're just not feeling good. Yeah. And again, if, if you can control that, then yeah. that's, that's the beauty of it is, is, so what are you doing to the best of, of your ability to take care of your temple? Mm -hmm. um, so that you are healthy enough, energetic enough to then pass on God's love to the world through your time, talent, treasure, temple, and tribe. Yeah. Um, and so it's really, an, it's, a, it's an important piece. And I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of sitting around waiting for God to do miracles and, and the Holy Spirit's inside of us waiting for us to take action. And, um, and so it, it really, um, you know, just stewarding all that you can to the best of your ability, given what you've been given. Yeah, um, you know what I'd love for you guys to do right now, if you're watching this live, if you could just send, type in a comment here. I'm wondering, when it comes to that, that being access, and you're going to talk a little bit more because while you're typing in, he's going to also go into some other things. And when they're when you come to abide, yeah, yeah. you know the, the the being with God. I'm just curious, where do you guys feel God's presence 
the most? What is it that when you're doing this, you really feel like you're connecting with God? And by that I mean, is it reading the Bible, going to church, talking with friends, music, outdoors? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, there's not like a one thing for everybody. So I'm just really interested to hear from you guys. What is it where you feel like you can really be with God and you're growing and you're close? You know, what yeah. is that kind of divine realm? Yeah, what does it look like mm -hmm. at a yeah. practical level? Because yeah. it's one thing to talk about it sort of theoretically, but it's like, what specifically does it look like? And so what, what we found on that joy model is most people get it. It's like, oh, I see how the two dimensions work. I see how the being, the doing interact together. Um, but what specifically do I do? And so I've created this acrostic called the master plan, M-A-S-T-E-R. And so I'll just walk you through that quickly. So the M stands for margin. What I found is that most people who are not experiencing joy need to create some margin in their calendar to start doing something differently. Either creating space to be, to spend more time with God, mm -hmm. or, or create some space in their calendar to do something differently, to rethink their life, to apply their five T's, time, talent, treasure, temple, and tribe differently. Mm -hmm. But if what I find is most frequently happens is people are not experiencing joy, or they're not hearing from God, they don't know what their calling is, yet they're not doing anything about it. They just sit around frustrated. And so you gotta create some space to get intentional about your life. Read a book, you know, read this book, read another book, read the Bible more. So margin is number one. I always say, if you have no margin, you have no mission in life. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. Yeah. Then there's A. So this is the... This, Hold on, I just, yeah, yeah, just on margin real fast. Yeah. So guys, start thinking as he's talking about this, what are some things you can do to clear space that's in right. your calendar? Yeah. Do you watch TV at night? Are you, is there a way you can maybe multitask a couple things? Like for me, when I'm cooking, I love to stick a little earpiece in and I can listen to a sermon. Or maybe it's putting on some music while you're doing some cleaning around the house so that you, if music is your thing to connect with God. When you're driving in the car, maybe you don't turn on the radio and you just sit and be, and that's your prayer time. So, you know, it's, it can be multitasking, but it can also be, what can you pull out? What, what are you involved in now that you need to create an exit strategy for? Yeah. Because you, you got to get rid of stuff. If you're feeling like I'm so booked, well, then you're not going to get margin unless you get rid of some things. Yeah. I mean, what I find about margin is it's less about um, time management techniques um, it's less about delegation. I mean, there are ways you can, you can, you know, in a healthy way, double up activities. Mm -hmm. But what I find mostly with margin, it's a result of, of unclear and conflicted values. And so what happens is your, your life is dying because of a million good things. Yeah. And you haven't really zoned in on the great thing. And basically, again, it comes down to stewardship of your one and only life. It, and so what I always say is if you want to get extra capacity in your calendar, get conviction about your calling. Say it again, say it again. If you want to get capacity in your calendar, get conviction about your calling. Because when you are really clear on the one and only unique assignment that God has given you, I call that your Ephesians 2.10 calling, you know, the good works that were planned in advance to, for you to do. When you're convicted that this is my job, then when you see all these other good things come up, you start to realize that's good, but if I actually did it, it would actually be disobedience. Yeah. And so when you get clearer on that calling, 
all the other stuff that doesn't make sense, given what your assignment is on this planet, just falls away. Yeah. And the space opens up. So. Yeah, Jeff, you know, he was um, talking earlier. I just had a thought and I just lost it. Hold on. <laughs> oh, about how, um, you know, you have to, if you, you, if you keep doing the same thing, and expect different results, it's not gonna happen, right? You've gotta mix things up a little bit. And I, as you were talking about that, I thought of that one quote that you know I love. It's, um, as long as we allow habit and routine to dictate our pattern of living, new dimensions of our soul will never emerge. So as long, if we're just going through and reacting to things that come out, come at us, and we're doing the same old, same old, new dimensions of your soul are never gonna emerge. So you're not gonna maybe change from this frustrated place to a place of, of joy. So it does take an effort. It takes, yeah. some... it takes giving up something. Yeah. There's, every decision has a, has a bit of pain to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember, you remember, as when I was going through this season trying to figure out what is God calling me to do, I wanted my life to change. And then one day I, it hit me. It's like, Jeff, if you want your life to change, you're actually gonna to have to change something about your life. It's gonna cost you something. So stop your belly aching, Jeff, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and take a risk, try something. You gotta give something up. And so anyway, margin's critical. And, really and, and the way people just get locked up, um, you know, and my, my uh, encouragement on margin is when you look at decisions of stuff to take out or things to do, don't think like this is a, a once and for all decision. Mm -hmm. Experiment with your life, try different things. Yeah. So one of the things I encourage you to do is if you can get margin, where I recommend you, you ramp up your, where you put that newfound time is around abiding, is, is rethinking your spiritual rhythms, rethink your spiritual disciplines. They don't call them disciplines for nothing. Mm -hmm. Most people think, well, now you're getting legalistics. Well, no, you, you've got to have some discipline around how you connect to the vine. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it. And it's important to understand your spiritual sort of design. So like for me, I'm really big on the word. I just love the Bible. That's what informs me. Other people, it's nature. Other people, it's music. Um, and then even just the Bible in general, what are you going to do with the Bible? Are you going to just read it? That's good. Study it, like really go understand the Hebrew and, and the, the words and, mm -hmm. and, and how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament. Are you going to meditate on it? You're going to memorize it? All those are really good. Then you've got some people that connect to the vine best by being with other believers. You know, some people like churches with traditional music, some with contemporary well, a lot of people, it's in a workout. A lot of people, it's in a workout. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, you're moving, you're hearing the word of God. Yeah. Saying. Just saying. You know, a lot of things, too, is not just think about the different um, things you could do, but think about um, the different medium you could do. Like, mm -hmm. the difference between reading the Bible in the summers, I go right up here to the mountains, ride my mountain bike. I listen to Christian books on my phone. Mm -hmm. I listen to the Bible. If you're stuck in a rut with the King James, try the message for a while. If you're a little tired of the New Testament, check out the Old Testament. So for me at least, variety is a spice of life. If your prayer life is dry, interview somebody that, whose prayer life you admire. Mm -hmm. So get creative about your spiritual disciplines. So that's the abide yeah, piece. And one thing that I, I guess I wanna make clear too is like when we're talking about there's all the, these different ways and sometimes it's, it's nature, which is true. But all of them have to be Jesus. Like, I'm not, oh, yeah. yeah, so I mean, I just want to clarify, like, that mm -hmm. it is 
that is the source right there. It's Jesus, it's the Word of God, it's um, keeping it all focused on that um, is important. And one thing Jeff is really good about, he goes down to the workout room and he'll put on... Are we still there? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, hopefully that won't happen again. Um, anyways, he'll go down to the workout room, put on the headsets, and like put it on repeat, say, yeah. John chapter 1 and 2, and he listens to it over and over. He's more meditative. Like, I would probably lose, like, I wouldn't focus very well with that. That's him, and that's okay. So don't try to copy what other people do. You can learn from them, try different things, but you have your own style of abiding, of really connecting to to God, so use use the way that works for you. Yeah. So so we got M, you know, master plan. M margin, A abide. Yeah. So S is self awareness, and there's kind of two levels on this. Is one is as you're starting to understand who God is, then you can start to understand well who am I in relationship to Him. So this is a real big identity thing. It's like who am I in Christ, and to know that you're free, that you're forgiven, that that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ, that there's no condemnation anymore, that you're more than a conqueror, that you're actually a co-heir of Christ. So think about that. You're not just a son of God, you're a co-heir. You're like a brother to, to Christ. And a co-heir means that you have all of the rights and privileges, like as a prince or a princess, because you're the son or daughter of the king. And like the big thing about this is, that's not like abstract theology, and it's not metaphor. It's spiritual reality. And to, if you can get that from your brain into your heart, it's like a game changer. Yeah. So just understanding your identity around the self-awareness. And the other part of around self-awareness is what am I good at? What are the gifts that God's given me, the talents that I have? What are the things that I've learned? What are the experiences that I've had that, that make up who I am uniquely that can be redeemed for God's glory? And then the other dimension of, of self-awareness is what are my biggest fears and what am I most ashamed of? Mm -hmm. And identifying those things. Yeah, and, that's a huge one, guys. It's so massive. listen to that, like knowing what are the wounds from your past that you've never really dealt with? What's, is there unforgiveness? I mean, all those yeah. things. Because like, they, they really do change who you are and what you think about. And your level of joy. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who think, you know, I know God loves me, but I don't think he really likes me. And that's just wrong. Or people who are caught in some sort of a sin pattern, they think that God's mad at them. God's not mad at you. He's sad for you. He's trying to say, you know, come on, man, you can do this. You're so close. I'm in your corner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheer you on and help you go through uh, this, this barrier in your life. And so self-awareness is really about my identity. Then what am I good at? And then what's really holding me back, sort of the, the broken parts of my life? Yeah, um, I love the question, what makes what makes me come alive? What makes you come alive? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you passionate about? Like, that's a really big thing, guys, and, and to, to sit and think about that, because often those things that make you come alive, the things that make you mad, glad, sad, all that is because God has made you uniquely that way and that you need to kind of, you know, yeah. dig into that for a little bit. I just have to share one little thing when you're talking about um, we're, you know, we're a, a daughter of the king. Yeah. Daughter of the queen. Yeah. The daughter of the king. <laughs> okay, you're daughter of the king. So I was at this 
<laughs> I'm the queen. Yeah. I was at a Bible study one time, and they were talking about that and how it's so important that we understand as women, you know, we don't have to prove anything to God. We are already his daughter, and because of that, we're, you know, we're a princess. Yeah. And so they gave us these crowns, and yeah. I, of course, wore mine, and I kept it on, and I, I went home. But later that, like maybe an hour or so later, my daughter and I headed out the door to go on some errands. And as we head out the door to go on some errands, we run out of gas. And so we pull over to the side of the road on the highway. We're sitting up on a hill. My daughter starts laughing her head off. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? She goes, you're wearing a crown. <laughs> and I had completely forgot I had my crown on. So uh, that's, all right, that's a little bit off track. He keeps us on track. All right, so M margin, A abide, S, S self-awareness. Self-awareness, yeah. Yeah, and I do think, you know, if I ever write another book, it would be on that self-awareness around, especially the guilt and the shame piece. Because if you can get over that, man, the, the, the freedom to then go love and not have to worry what other people are thinking about, God redeems your past, all this stuff. So that's a huge area, and I spend a lot of time in the book on that. Yeah, shame and guilt are worthless. Yeah, yeah, um, except to Satan. He loves it. It yeah. works great for his yeah. purposes. So T, there's actually two T's. T is for treasure. So this is another thing. I see a lot of lack of joy because so many people don't have a biblical understanding of how God created money to work. And as well, people think that money's going to bring them happiness. As well, they think that their, their ability to, to get money is up to them and God's not really the, the provider. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a whole, there's a lot wrapped up in this and I'm not a super expert on this. I've just observed this in my life and when I see people stuck on money issues, I do refer them to other books. I love um, Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle. Tiny little book, super powerful about understanding money. Anything that Ron Blue has ever written on money. So if, if you've got a money issue that is really holding you back, either at a practical level or a spiritual stronghold level, then those books are helpful. So that's what T for treasure. Mm -hmm. Then there's Temple. That's Michelle's deal. And it's huge, man. There's just so many people who, um, who have... And, and sometimes the, the T from the temple is linked to the self-awareness. There's people who are ashamed of their bodies. Mm -hmm. There's people who think I'll never be healthy enough. There's people who think I'm so unhealthy that I can't go serve. And Satan loves that because mm -hmm. now he's got you on the bench and you're not in the game helping and loving other people. Mm -hmm. And so, so temple, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the treasure. I know it's important. I'm not a subject matter expert in it. That's where all the resources from Faithful Workouts comes into play, mm -hmm. is, is how do you get spiritually um, focused on your health, and then at a practical level, what do you do with your fitness and your nutrition? You know, just today I was emailing back and forth with someone, and it's not that she neglected the temple, but this was her idol. Her yeah. body was her idol. That she would, she wouldn't. I mean, she wouldn't read her Bible. She wouldn't do anything because she had to get her body at the gym, and she had to prepare all these foods, and it became really right. something she idled above God. So it can go that way too. Yep. Yep. Anything else on Temple, or how are we doing no. on time? No, we're good. You go to E. E. So E is kind of where all this thing started. It's engaging in your calling, and so this this is how do you apply those talents when you when you are also in the self awareness. What are the things that make you mad, that make you sad, that make you glad? What are the causes or issues in the world that stir your heart 
that God might be leading you to sink your teeth in. This is your unique role in God's kingdom. It's your calling. It's, it's your purpose. It's your destiny that he set out before you. And I, I remember as I was trying to figure that out, I read this quote by, um, by Soren Kierkegaard. He was like a Dutch Christian philosopher. And he said, the key to life is to figure out the cause you'd be willing to live or die for. And in my experience, that, that many women think, well, it's my family. And so they're so focused on their family, and that is a great place to focus on. It is your primary um, ministry. But when they go off to school, <laughs> if your kids are older, and you've got from, you got from 8.30 till 2.30, what else can you might be doing that, that God's got a unique role for you um, above and beyond your family? Because what you don't want to do is send a message that what a mom does is circle the wagons and just takes care of my little brood. And there's not enough energy to love others. It can be both. And, and so, um, so just understanding what is it that makes you come alive, as Michelle said, and go out and make a difference. You got to remember that Jesus had a social agenda and a spiritual agenda. The social agenda is help the sick, help the poor, help the homeless. We're called to be the hands and feet. So that's what the E's all about. Mm -hmm. Figure out your calling, engage in it. Then R is relationships, like your marriage, like you and I have. Um, but your, your parenting, your siblings, a lot of, kind of like your temple, some of the greatest self-inflicted damage to a person's joy is that they've mismanaged relationships. And they, they've gotten it, it deteriorated to the point where there's fighting and there's animosity and they can't get along. And so that's a big thing in the book, too, is what do you do with relationships? Yeah, relationships. I mean, you know, that's an important part. Friends, right? Not just family, but also friends. Absolutely. You know, a couple things on the E that when you were talking about that, too. When One thing is if you, you know, if you're as a parent like Jeff and I, and we have kids, and our, our desire in our heart is first and foremost that they live in such a way that they want to give God glory, that they go out and that they love and they serve others. And how can you really expect your kids to go out and do that if you're not doing it, if they're not seeing it? It's that whole thing. You can talk about it. You can talk about the importance of health, but unless you're doing it, you can talk about the importance of, you know, going out and loving and serve others. But if, you, if they never see you making a meal for somebody else or doing anything, yeah. are they really going to think it's that important? Yeah. So that, that's really big, guys, is that if you want your kids to grow up to be a certain way, can you start living it now? Yeah, yeah. You can't just talk about Jesus without living like Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, beyond just your own family. Yeah, and um, I remember I was reading, it was, um, God, I can't remember the guy's name. I, I can try to send it out to you, but I was reading something. It was a guy like in 1850s wrote this sermon a long time ago, Ryle or something like that. And it was about, he was talking about joy and being zealous for God. And I always thought of that as kind of a negative word, like a zealous. But like, it's that, what, what is it that you are, that gets you so excited? And, and, and if it's God, like, you gotta let his love come in so you have joy because his, his sermon went on to say that the biggest damage being done to the church is there's not a lot of Christians living with real joy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, they might be sharing their faith because they feel they should. You know, I'm told to go make disciples, so I guess I need to do that. You're not feeling the joy 
So you're not just busting out to tell people about it. Mm. Like when you have been so changed by him and you really believe there is nothing greater you can do for another person than tell them about Jesus. I mean, that's, that's why this joy thing is really important. And um, so I'm going to ask Jeff one last question, and I'm going to give the number one, and then I'm going to ask you to do three more. But I'm going I'm to say, walking away for the people who are watching, yeah. I want to know four things mm -hmm. that you suggest that they go and start with, okay, from all that we've talked about, because we talked yeah. about a lot of stuff. So I'm going to say the first thing, because he won't probably say this, but I really believe in this guy's this mm -hmm. book, the joy book. I mean... Yeah, I was okay. like, this is going to sound self-serving, but I was going to say, read that. Okay, so then anyone else to come up with two more, because we yeah. both agree the first one is this. Yeah. I mean, it really gives you some great questions to answer. It takes you deep. And um, what's been so cool for me is to hear from people, whether they're people I have never met or just even close friends of ours who have sent us some text messages and things saying, oh my goodness, this really made a difference. Like, I, I really think that that joy always is something that I can experience. Mm. So that's number one. So get the book if you want. Yeah. There's also an ebook version. So there's different ones, but let's see, what's two and three? I would say um, it would be M&A, margin. Create space to, to look at your calendar, analyze your calendar, analyze your personal values, um, and figure out what can I do to adjust to get some time, not just to get busy volunteering, but to really think about your life and the direction you're going and have some conversations with people that are close to you. So I would say it's that margin piece. And then the abide piece, I think people are in rut around their spiritual disciplines or they're just not even in existence. I think people go to church, they maybe squeeze in a little devotional that gets emailed to them each day, but it's, it's not sinking in. And I encourage you to to really create a spiritual growth plan. And most people just expect this thing to just magically happen. And for some people it can, I guess the Holy Spirit's powerful enough, but I do think mm -hmm. to really get, I think there's people that are biblically illiterate. And I think there's people who, who actually know scripture, but don't know how to apply it to their life as well. I've seen that a lot. I've yeah. seen a lot of people who for can sure. quote chapter and verse, but are still miserable. So what's going on there? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's to be really thoughtful about your, how you're, you're engaging with scripture, your prayer life, understanding your brokenness and, and how God's truth can apply to your unique brokenness and to your unique potential. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say the book, Margin and Abide. <laughs> yeah, and, and here's something guys when it comes to abiding. Do you expect when you go to read your Bible or go to church or whatever, do you expect to truly hear from God? Do you expect to be transformed? I mean, just, um, I think it was yesterday, I sat down to read, and I was reading in Second Chronicles, and in Second Chronicles, it goes through all these different kings and wars and all this, and I was like, I don't want to go through the motion, God. Mm -hmm. I want to be changed. I want to know you better when I'm done reading today than I did before I started. Mm -hmm. And I expect that because you're God, like you can do anything and you know my heart. So I just, you know, would suggest when you go to abide or be with God, do it expectant, like expectant mm -hmm. that you're going to feel loved, expectant that he might even bring you to tears over something he, you know, whispers to you. So, um, one other thing though, okay. one last thing, the, the last part of abide is to obey. 
So as you, as you, here's the deal. Some people are expecting an epiphany and sometimes you get these many, many insights or the stirring or scriptural come to mind. But my experience is that joy is usually the result of sort of obedience over time. So what you're reading, what you're hearing in prayer, when you set down the Bible or you take out the headphones, do what God's prompted you to do that day. Don't get too freaked out about what am I going to be doing a year from Do what you can that day. What I find is that joy is really, it's more like a hundred smaller, obedient, courageous decisions over time as opposed to one flash of liberation. Yeah, it's a constant. And, and so abide, but then think differently or do differently in the form of obedience. We're going to be here all night because I'm like, but yeah. what I think, what <laughs> I think. But I just... Um, Ephesians, no, Philippians 4 8 yeah. is what I was thinking of as he was saying this. And this guy's is really big. You've got a, your brain is a sponge. It's like taking in information. And in Philippians 4 8, it says, you know, put your mind on things that are honorable and praiseworthy and excellent. If you want more joy, you need to protect what is coming mm. into your body. Mm. What are you watching on TV? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? I think that all has also a big influence on your joy. I mean, the news, it's not a super happy place lately. And so maybe it's turning it off. Maybe it's not listening to it. You know, um, some people say Facebook can really bring them down. I got like lots of Jesus-loving people on my Facebook, so I kind of like it. But whatever it is, like guard this. Put good into it. And it's going to be a lot easier to just live with joy always. All right, so I'm going to close in prayer. Yeah, let's do it. Lord, just thank you so much for all those who are listening to it. And God, I ask that you would take the, the words that we said, God, and just change them in any way, shape, or form so that each person can hear exactly what you have for them. God, I ask that, um, like, the, like the Bible says, that they don't hear this and walk away from it unchanged. Just like it says, and we don't look at ourselves in a mirror and forget what we look like. I ask that they hear what we're talking about, and they're, they're passionate about trying to make some changes, God. And, and I ask that your spirit just speaks to each individual who's watching this, helping them to be changed, helping them to hear you, helping them to want more of you. Give them the desire to, to know you better. The number one desire is th that they have is to know you better. Thank you so much for Jeff and his just his heart and all that he does um, for your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks guys. Michelle. Thanks, See everyone. Ya. See ya.